0: Hi, my name is Camille Mitchell. I've been Sheriff Adams on Smallville. I've got two Hallmark movies coming up soon, and you are listening to Neil Before
1: Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod.
0: welcome to Neil before pod the podcast that somehow made it through another year i'm your host craig and it's as always the time to discuss last month's news so we're going to discuss everything that or not everything but a lot of things that appeared in news and trailers for december joining me to discuss this for the first podcast of 2022 it's chris happy new year happy new year and happy new year listeners I was expecting a reply from <laughs> from these non-existent from, from the listeners yeah. on the call. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, Happy New Year! <laughs> I mean, no, getting me on the happening.
1: first podcast of the year, that's sort of peaking early, isn't it? It's all downhill from
0: here, no? I feel like it sets the tone for the year. Read into that <laughs> however you will. <laughs> yeah, first one of 2022. Recording in 2021, so it was that fake Happy New Year because it's not the new year for us yet. Time travel! Once again, our downfall. <laughs> Okay, let's get cracking on the usual stuff. So the first part of our feature is, what have we been watching or plugging things? So... have you been watching what do you have to regale us with been watching uh, a ton of
1: stuff hawkeye at the time of recording recently finished recently had its final episode been really enjoying that it's been one of my favorite of the disney plus marvel things so far really really enjoyed that hopefully we get to see something similar again some sort of follow-up that'd be great really enjoyed hawkeye i know that you've been watching it as well
0: yep i loved it it is actually my favorite of the disney plus marvel output so far I, i really liked it And we'll be doing a podcast about that in the near future, so that'll be happening. In the future. More time travel. Yay! More time travel. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Speaking of time travel and whatnot, I've been watching the recent season of Discovery, Star Trek Discovery. Again, it's been another strong season, or at least a strong start to the season, so been good things going on there, and keeping it in space. I've also been watching The Expanse, which is back on Amazon for its final season.
0: And there'll be a podcast about The Expanse as well, hopefully.
1: Terms and conditions apply.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've been watching Discovery as well. I'm really enjoying this season so far. It's not without its flaws. I think there's a few things that Discovery needs to iron out, but generally speaking, it's been very good. So yes, yeah, I agree with you there. It's been a good start to this season. Anything else been on your watch list? You said you were watching a lot.
1: Oh, I've been through a, a bunch of stuff on Netflix. I watched the recent season of Lost in Space. Again, that was another final season. I also watched Cowboy Bebop on there as well which i quite enjoyed i think it's a bit of a shame that it's been cancelled i know that people that know the source material better than me were a bit, <laughs> a bit annoyed with it meanwhile i just went into it a complete blank slate so i, I kind of had a bit of fun with it to so, watch that film wise obviously had to go and see spider-man no way home which was just a fantastic film going experience and i will say nothing else uh, to avoid ruining <laughs> anything <laughs> however you told the line very well online in the review so people should check out the review on the website for that where you tow gracefully around any spoilers
0: where i managed to say nothing in a thousand words or more. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be a podcast about spider-man pretty soon as well so if you want it ruined wait for that and listen to that and that'll ruin everything for you or enhance it if you've seen it already. I don't know. (laughs) If you haven't seen it and listened to a podcast that spoils everything, it's your own fault. But yeah, I liked Spider-Man No Way Home as well. I thought it was very, very good. And I'm excited to see what happens next with that character assuming something will happen next which we'll probably discuss later mm. anything else you want to bring up no i
1: think that's it there's probably a ton of other stuff that i'm forgetting i've done a load of like re-watching different bits and pieces in the background as well but that's probably the key things at the
0: moment cool i've got a few things on my list the usual tv stuff the arrowverse stuff is kind of off and on the flash is on hiatus again after its five episode quote-unquote event which was entertaining in places and ludicrous in others. The bar for enjoyment is so low at this point that when it does something remotely good, I'm like, oh my God, this is the best episode I've done in a long time, (laughs) which is really bizarre how something that was so great in its first season has fallen so far. But I think as long as you don't expect it to make sense anymore, then there's some enjoyment to get out of it some of the time. Maybe that's the best we can hope for. But yeah, I've still been watching it and... It's off just now. Legends of Tomorrow, this season's been really good. That's currently on hiatus as well. We'll be back later in January, I believe, is when when it comes back. So that's not too far away. In terms of films, Spider-Man already discussed. I saw The Matrix Resurrections. I did not like The Matrix Resurrections. It's another one of those, why did you make this, legacy sequels. It's weird because the first half hour of it or so tries to go into the whole fact of it being aware that it's a legacy sequel and asks all the questions about how do you make this relevant? How do you update this? How do you capture what came before? And then it proceeds to just not do any of that subversion that it keeps suggesting. It's like you see in anything where it makes a joke at its own expense. For example, in the Scream TV series, they said, you can't turn a slasher series into a TV show. And then they immediately prove that that's the case. Or in X-Men Apocalypse, where they say, Well, the third one's always the worst. And then they prove that, indeed, their third one is the worst. So don't set things up unless you're pretty sure that you can subvert that. But they don't, or at least not to me. I know it's very divisive. There's a lot of people that seem to love it, and there's a lot of people that seem to hate it. I didn't hate it, but I also didn't like it. So, It's just one of those, why was this made? type things. Also saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, which again was another one of those. Why was this made? (laughs) I mean, I know why it was made. I'm not naive. I know exactly why it was made, but I just didn't like it very much. It was at its best when it was doing its own thing with the new cast and so on. But when it leans on the nostalgia side of it, it's awkward and not great. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend watching that either. Even if you are a big fan of the old Ghostbusters movies i wouldn't recommend it necessarily i saw resident evil welcome to raccoon city and it was awful really really bad which is a shame they had a good cast they had a decent concept to play with neil McDonough's in it of course so oh, McDonough. I mean, how could it be bad with neil McDonough's in it <laughs> But it is, it's very, very bad. Which, a shame, I love Resident Evil. Better luck next reboot, whenever that'll be. They're definitely not making a sequel to this because it's bad and nobody liked it and nobody watched it. I've watched Doctor Who, the flux event, and parts of it were okay, parts of it were really bad. Doctor Who is in dire need of a freshening up. (laughs) Which it's getting soon anyway, so that's fine. It just feels like this run of stuff is, yeah, let's get this out of the way so we can get on to something else. Which is kind of a shame because it means that it doesn't get a fair shake in a way. But also, it's not very good. Yeah, it's
1: kind of, they've had this written, so we've got to get it out of the way. We've already
0: done all the work on it. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll refresh soon. It might be watchable next year. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Or the year after next. I think that's about it for what I've been watching. I watched a bunch of Christmas movies, but most of them are rewatches because it was Christmas last month, funnily enough. So I watched the usual staple of Christmas movies like Die Hard and Jingle All the Way, all that stuff. I wasn't feeling
1: particularly festive this year. I don't think I watched a Christmas movie in full for the entire season. Oh my god. I think I caught the tail end maybe of some stuff on TV and that was about it.
0: Well, I did watch Bebo Saves Christmas, the Legends of Tomorrow plushy mascot <laughs> thing. It's weird because it actually plays it straight as a kid's Christmas special and there's no real meta humour in it, which I wasn't expecting. So it is just, they've made up this Bebo character and sent him on a Christmas adventure and that was really all it was. I was watching and thinking, this is all right, but who's it for? (laughs) Because it can't be for fans of Legends of Tomorrow because it's skewed too young. And then it can't be for young kids because they don't know what this little creature is so who is it for but i'm glad they made it because it follows through on that joke
1: if it means that we can finally get a hold of our own bebo then i'm happy they made it
0: yeah merchandising come on guys you've made a christmas special you have to merchandise anyway that's it for my watching so do you have anything you want to plug to the listeners into this new year Nah, not really (laughs) i'm around (laughs) <laughs> that sorts that then for me it's just the usual plugs my list of reviews that i do and my moonlighting over on the we made this podcast network rarely going which is the star trek animate podcast will be coming back with me hosting some of the episodes because prodigy is coming back in a few days at time of recording so we'll be doing that again and i'll Crop up on the Marvel podcast, podcast 616 here and there. I did all of the Spider-Man movies that weren't the MCU Spider-Man movies. So you can listen back to them and get a bit of nostalgic flair on the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. I have a lot to say about all of them, which is no surprise. I've got a lot to say about almost everything. (laughs) Right, let's move on to some trailers. We have a bunch of trailers again, so let's just start with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Is it a spoiler to say it's a post credit scene of Spider-Man No Way Home? I don't think so. Uh,
1: Yeah, I don't think that's a spoiler anymore because they've released it.
0: (laughs) It's out. (laughs) If you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home yet and you got to see it, if you've already seen this trailer, you don't necessarily need to stick around to the end of the credits. I mean, you should because everyone up there is like someone's kid and they did a lot of work on that film. So maybe show them a bit of respect. Says me who leaves when the credits roll, if there's nothing to wait for. It's up to you. But the trailer is out there and it's very much a tease. It doesn't really show you a great deal. It's more of a mood piece, I think, which I really liked. Sam Raimi looks like he's bringing his A game to this concept and it's tailor-made for him with his horror background and so on. We get to see a, a glimpse of a evil Doctor Strange. Is it the same one from What If? Probably, because conservation of characters. It looks good. I'm looking forward to this, and I can't wait to see how mad the multiverse gets.
1: I really enjoyed this. I think the reveal of the Doctor Strange from What If? was really interesting in there. To put Doctor Strange up against himself, really interesting move, great getting to see Wanda back in it again. I would kind of be happy with this being a teaser and this being the only stuff I see of this film, because I kind of have the feeling that the more footage that they show us of it, it's going to end up ruining itself. I kind of just want this short tease to be it. It sells me on it, it looks exciting, it looks interesting, I want to see it, you've done enough. You know it won't oh, be, though. Yeah, of course it won't be. There'll be umpteen other teasers with slightly different shots in, and then there'll be the full trailer, and then there'll be the full, full, full trailer, and then there'll be the full even more yeah. trailer, and there'll be stills and all the other stuff released. But this does enough to make me want to see it.
0: Yeah. Apparently when they did the reshoots, they brought in more cameos from different characters, so maybe we'll get to see things like the X-Men or the Fantastic Four from the defunct universes. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if Chris Evans walks in and everyone's like, oh, hi, Cap, and then he says, flame on. (laughs) Everyone's like, what's going on? (laughs) I would enjoy that. That would make the film the best film ever made for me, if that happened. But you need someone to know who Captain America is. Well, I
1: suppose Doctor Strange would be aware, wouldn't he?
0: Did they ever exchange words? I don't think they did.
1: Mm, Well, he might not have exchanged pleasantries at some point, but he would be aware of who he is, wouldn't he?
0: Yeah. But they never said two words to each other in either film that they... Shared.
1: Yeah, but Doctor Strange would totally have been there at Rogers the Musical. He'll know everything about
0: Steve Rogers now. <laughs> he would have seen that musical. <laughs> he would have been there, front row centre, opening night. Him and Wong. But he's nothing better to do. <laughs> Him and Wong, just there. Now nah, Wong's too busy. He's too busy <laughs> holding the universe together. That and grudge matches. Yeah, and a side hustle of whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah, it looks good. I'm interested to see what they, they do with that. And I really hope they lean into the whole multiverse concept. Although... It just depends. If it's going to be Cameo City and it kind of buries the plot, without spoiling Spider-Man, they managed to not let it collapse under the weight of the previous things they were bringing in. So I have faith that this will be the same year.
1: Yeah, I think they'll probably toe the line pretty well. They're normally measured with that.
0: Yeah. Okay, from the multiverse of madness to the multiverse of Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> that film called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's Michelle Yeoh fighting people from the multiverse it seems seems to be a very similar concept to that jet lee film the one where there's different versions of yourself and when you kill one you get their power and you get to be the most powerful being in the multiverse it seems like it's just kind of that but with michelle Yeoh. but it looks pretty cool looks pretty trippy plenty of opportunity to see michelle Yeoh kicking ass which i'm always here for it's great seeing michelle Yeoh getting so much work because she's great yeah i'll give this a look i think it looks like it'll be good fun
1: yeah, I'm with you here. This looks tons of fun. Love Michelle you. Look forward to seeing it. It just looks very, very trippy. I've not seen the film that you mentioned there that might be a kind of riff on, so I'll be going into it a bit fresh.
0: It's actually all right. You should give it a look if you can. It's probably free on many services at this point, because it's quite an old film, but it's pretty cool. I enjoyed the, one, the whole once that I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, but when I saw the trailer for this, it reminded me of that, at least in terms of concept. It looks nothing like it, but it's similar sort of idea whether that was inspired by that or not i have no idea but we'll see it when it comes out we're still doing multiverse next we have spider-man across the spider-verse part one so they're splitting this film into two parts for some reason there's not a lot to go on here but it looks just as stylish and trippy as the first one a two-part story gets my attention because i wonder what they're doing that's going to be so massive that will require two parts basically you get to see miles just tearing through the multiverse being attacked by spider-man 2099 for some reason and you get to see a bit of the good gwen and miles dynamic that we had in the first one so i'm excited i'm definitely excited by this i loved spider-man into the spider-verse it's still the best spider-man movie
1: yeah, it was a fantastic film. The animation style, the way it was put together, the heart that was at the centre of it was just fantastic and I, I look forward to more of it. I am interested, I go with trepidation sometimes when they say, part one of two, because it's like, oh, is part one just a bunch of set up? Is there a bunch of filler in here to make it to? <laughs> I don't think that'll be the case. I think they'll have done it with a purpose. But yeah, it looks really cool. There's a little first look tease, getting to see the characters interacting again. The fun animation style when it when it sort of flips through to him being chased by Spider-Man 2099 is very cool. So, yeah, I think it'll be very trippy.
0: Yeah. And I'm interested to see what other Spider-Men they get from different universes. And apparently the Japanese Spider-Man with the giant robot and stuff is going to be in it. So that'd be great to see. And I'm really hoping the 90s cartoon one gets to show up. That would be so cool. <laughs> and Spectacular Spider-Man, of course. The Josh Keaton Spectacular mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Let's get him back one last time anything's possible or like isaac suggested get actor tom holland he's just an actor <laughs> so he's not actually spider-man he's just tom holland they encounter him in one of the universities that'd be quite fun i'm really looking forward to it that's out later in 2022 like october or something like that and then the next part is the following year so plenty of spider-man content upcoming it's a good time to be a spider-man fan indeed Let's move over to a DC trailer. We have The Batman, a third trailer that released actually yesterday at the time of recording, so nice to get it in there before we finish recording, and then it was... ah we've missed that. Oh, well, next month. Mm -hmm. I'm still not keen on this film. I just don't think it's necessarily going to be for me. I'm a bit sick of the dark and dreary superhero stuff, so this looks like more of that. The focus is certainly on Batman and Catwoman, I mean, the trailer is called The Bat and the Cat, according to the Warner Brothers YouTube channel. So they're doing a lot of that. It looks like Selena Kyle will be the standout here. Zoe Kravitz looks like she's really inhabiting that role brilliantly. Mm. There's a setup of a family secret in the trailer, which I found interesting-ish. I mean, the Waynes are legacy billionaires or legacy rich people, so... There's bound to be a few skeletons in that closet. I don't know if it will end up being a bit of the Amazing Spider-Man, the untold story of what his parents were up to in the past, and it ends up just being irrelevant. I don't know. It looks good. Visually, it looks amazing. The action looks amazing. I'm just not sure it'll be necessarily for me, based on what I've seen so far
1: yeah it, I'm kind of with you on that but at the same time I do want to see it It's one of those it might not be for me but I might really love it watching it it's kind of got similar beats to a lot of like the Nolan stuff that we've we've already seen it's that similar aesthetic and yet another villain with an unnecessary mask messing up their voice <laughs> <laughs> again we don't need that <laughs> It just gets annoying. You can dub them, you can make them sound alright, do something like that, but don't put a mask in front to try and make some rubbish reveal later in the film when they remove the mask. You go, oh my god, it's that person who was standing in the background of another scene can't believe that alfred was a riddler all along. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly
1: that's the dark family secret <laughs> but yeah i i agree with you selena kyle looks like the standout character I, I mean i know that this trailer is kind of supposed to be teasing more about that so i i get it lots of cat puns involved <laughs> there was lots of i've got nine yeah. lives etc etc In there. i'm like okay cool see what you're doing there it's interesting it's like an earlier take on batman so that makes it slightly different from the other stuff still look forward to seeing it but yeah might not be for me
0: a note that i need to add from isaac he said that he tried to do the question mark latte art in the same way that is done in the trailer and it can't be done or at least he wasn't able to do (laughs) That's why he thinks it's going to be a crap film.
1: Apologies to anyone that's received one of Isaac's lattes recently with a weird not-quite-question mark on the top.
0: Yep, sorry to anybody that happened to.
1: Why is all this <laughs> massive queue forming? Oh, this guy's trying latte art over there.
0: Yeah, he just needs to prove a point. Yeah. He needs to get this to work, but he can't get it to work. <laughs> that's the same reason that he thinks Spider-Man Homecoming is crap, because they got the number of pieces on the Lego Death Star wrong. <laughs> he has very exact standards yeah, well, well, i don't know what to tell you so that was the batman that's out in march we don't have to wait too long to see it so there we go next up we have death on the nile which is a follow-up to murder in the orient express with kenneth brana playing poirot again poirot just can't seem to go anywhere without a murder happening it must be pretty exhausting <laughs> he just wants to go in a boat on the nile and he's like someone's dead again i have to figure this out can't i just have a day off I think this looks pretty good. It looks a lot bigger than Murder on the Orient Express and very stylish. I liked Murder on the Orient Express as well, so it was very good. And I like Kenneth Branagh's Poirot. I'm not hugely invested in the whole Poirot setup in terms of the previous stories and things like that, so I don't really know an awful lot about it. But I enjoyed it for what it was. And this looks like it's dialing it up a bit. It's essentially your higher budget sequel, isn't it, by the looks of things? So it looks pretty good. The cast looks good. As long as the mystery ticks along nicely, it should be good. I haven't read the book, so I don't know who the murderer is, which will help me when I'm watching it.
1: Yeah, I can't remember the outcome of this particular one, so yeah, it's a mystery to me. But yeah, looks very stylish. It looks like it's had a load of money spent on it for the sets and things. Costumes look amazing. All the period costumes look amazing. I kind of like that they've added extra dramatic music to a Poirot trailer. I always think of the TV poirot that used to come on and it, it didn't have that kind of big score and everything going over the top of it so i always like seeing it when they do that i'll probably won't end up going to the cinema to see it but if i catch it on a streaming service or something i'll probably give it a watch
0: yeah i might see it at the cinema we'll see if they're still open at that point mm. let's not get topical though who knows what will happen it seems that we're going into 2022 In a similar position to where we were going into 2021. Maybe slightly better.
1: Considering this isn't coming out until the new year, I think anything that we say now is subject to change.
0: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, yeah. (laughs) Okay, our next trailer is The Northman. What did you think of The Northman? I do like some of my Viking stuff. This looks
1: like a very typical I'm-going-to-seek-revenge-for-my-father-free-my-mother and kill those who betrayed my family name. I'm going to go into the wilderness for years and years, and when I emerge, I'm going to have my vengeance. But it looks big. (laughs) It looks like a kind of epic. Lots of battles, fight scenes, bits and pieces, so yeah. Potentially. It's not massively grabbed me,
0: to be honest, but it looks good. Yeah, it looks fine. I'm not hugely into that sort of stuff. I don't know why these period fantasy sword and sandals type things don't usually resonate with me that's why i've never watched game of thrones i'm just not that interested in that side of things even though i in theory should be but i'm not on a visual level i thought this looked great and it has a very good cast but i'm not hugely keen to see it it'll be one of those i'll see what's going on at the time when it comes out and if i've got nothing else to do and i'm in the cinema anyway i'll go watch it but other than that uh, whatever it looks good i think it will be very appealing to people that are into that sort of stuff mm which isn't necessarily me.
1: I mean, it's starring Bjork. Yeah, that's a weird one. Isn't that it? is a weird one that, when that, when that <laughs> popped up. Also starring Bjork. Really? What? Hang on. <laughs> you've got
0: Alexander Skarsgård, you've got whoever else, and Bjork. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he'll make the film the way it is. Mm. Okay, next up we have The Lost City. Looks like a fairly generic adventure comedy family thing. Looks all right. I like that it's a writer going on a real adventure and it starts off by making fun of the adventure tropes. It's like, why is there snakes in here? Why isn't that snake biting you and whatever? And then later on, it just seems like it leans into those tropes. So it's again, it's that thing I was talking about earlier with the Matrix and so on. We're going to set up this thing that we're not going to do and then we end up going doing it somehow why? I don't
1: know. It's sort of having your cake and eating it, you're taking the mickey out of it and then you're embracing it on the the other hand you're sort of turning and going ah look how silly this is oh by the way that's the entirety of the second half of this film. <laughs> this looks tons of fun. My worry with trailers like this is that all the big gags and the big set pieces and stuff are in the trailer so you sort of think oh am I gonna watch this now and be like oh it's that gag that I enjoyed in the trailer and it's this piece that I enjoyed in the trailer and it's that one liner that I enjoyed in the trailer oh right okay I guess that's it then but tons of fun Chan Tatum running about a big dope just looks fun Daniel Radcliffe hamming it up by the looks of it. It's, it's one of those ones where Daniel Radcliffe has made like tons of interesting choices. And this just looks really silly and that he's embracing it. So I'm kind of for this.
0: Yeah, I don't like Daniel Radcliffe. I find him very difficult to watch for whatever reason. Just any time I've seen him in something that isn't Harry Potter, I'm just like... I- i really don't like you it's the same effect that miles Taylor has on me i just don't like you for some reason there's something about you that i just don't like which makes it difficult for me to watch although it's always good to see brad pitt having fun in a And it looks like he's having a lot of fun here
1: the brad pitt bit to me that looks like it's supposed to be like a surprise cameo kind of thing that doesn't look like it should be in the trailer that should be something that appears later as a surprise
0: yeah there's no surprises anymore is there mm. We can't go into a film and actually just be surprised by anything that happens, which is very annoying in this social media saturated world we live in where we just find out everything ahead of time or things leak and then you go see something and then something happens. You're like, well, I'm glad that was true, rather than, oh, my God, I cannot believe this has happened. Hmm. Can't we have that feeling back? Can we get away from this aggressive marketing that tells you everything that you're going to get out of something? That'd be nice. It would be, but it's not going to happen, unfortunately. Unless we set off an EMP that shuts down all social media, which I'd be all for. Get rid of it. It doesn't look good for anybody. But anyway, let's move on to the unbearable weight of massive talent, which is Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage, being hired to appear as Nicolas Cage at a birthday party. I think this looks amazing. I like the idea of Nicolas Cage playing himself. It's hard to tell if he's playing a dialed up version of himself or an accurate version of himself because he is quite an unusual individual. But it looks like it was so much fun. Promises to be the most Nicolas Cage movie ever, which I can believe. I am so keen for this. When I first heard about it being made, I was like, I can't believe that this is happening. I like the idea that Nicolas Cage is very self-aware and able to laugh at himself because he's has a reputation for being a bit nuts. And that's why we love him. So this is going to be great. I'm predicting it now. This is going to be great. <laughs>
1: we were talking about having your cake and eating it earlier on (laughs) this this just seems crazy like you say when the news came out going nicholas cage is going to play nicholas cage in a film you read the story and you go that can't be true someone's making that up great april fool's day prank everyone (laughs) right let's move along but no genuinely it looks like they've actually made it filmed it and it's coming out i don't quite get the nicholas cage thing inverted commas where it's like oh look he's he's doing something silly and oh he's in these bad things but he's also in these good things oh there we go i don't quite follow why he would then do something like this but fair enough i don't (laughs) think this is made for me again i worry that a lot of the gags and bits are in the trailer it just seems interesting i'd Probably be more interested in a documentary about the actual Nicolas Cage than seeing Nicolas <laughs> Cage hamming up being Nicolas Cage. Where does Nicolas Cage end and Nicolas Cage begin, or is there just an infinite loop of Nicolas Cages? I don't know.
0: Who knows? But it does seem like they're leaning into the whole fact that he's reckless with money and things like that. So I've been staying in a hotel, but you owe them $600,000. Where he offers 20,000 for the waxwork figure of himself that looks terrible, stuff like that, because it is well known that he's very frivolous with cash and pays off expensive divorces, owns castles, things like that. Yeah,
1: but you could almost take that same conversation it's had in the trailer and go, this company's offered you a million pounds to play yourself in a film where you take the mickey out of yourself. I don't want to do that. Yeah, but you'll get a million dollars, and you'll be able to pay off this massive debt you have. All
0: right, I'll do it then. A million dollars would be a very low payday for a film for Nicholas Cage. I guess so, but you know what I mean. You know, you know where I'm going. But not to appear at a birthday party. Do you think you'll appear at my birthday party?
1: I don't know. I mean, I'll need to cancel Daniel Radcliffe and Miles Teller now.
0: (laughs) Sorry, guys. He doesn't like you. Yeah, uh, (laughs) all all my surprise (laughs) guest plans for the
1: two (laughs) hundred podcasts
0: are ruined. (laughs) <laughs> yeah could you imagine that everyone's like how did they manage to get miles taylor and daniel radcliffe and i'm sitting there thinking oh my god these guys here? i'm sure they're perfectly nice people but i just can't stand watching them no backtracking now too late <laughs> anyway nicholas cage play nicholas cage it reminds me a bit of a film called gcvd which is about jean-claude van Damme. he's involved in a bank robbery as in he's just in a bank while it's being robbed and everyone thinks because he's a martial arts movie star that he can save them but he's like i'm not i'm gonna do that i'm just a guy who knows a few stunts i'm not gonna get involved in this so there's an element of that i mean this looks more kind of tongue-in-cheek and i don't know what actually happens in the film because the trailer keeps the actual plot to itself but it's quite interesting though. you've got Nicolas cage playing himself but you've got other actors in the film playing characters you've got pedro pascal playing some guy that's obsessed with Nicolas cage and I don't know if it's Neil Patrick Harris is playing himself or playing some guy that's Nicolas Cage's friend.
1: Or you imagine he's supposed to be playing a manager or something like that, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting Neil Patrick Harris playing Neil Patrick Harris, then I'm for that as well.
0: But like in Harold and Kumar, where he plays a warped version of himself. Yeah,
1: maybe there's enough warping already having Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage.
0: Yeah, the universe is going to collapse in on itself as it is. Let's not do too much here. <laughs> okay, next trailer, we have Uncharted, another trailer for this. I'm still not buying Tom Holland in this role. I've played the video games. I know you haven't. So it interested be interesting your perspective on that. But I'm not buying Tom Holland in this role. He just seems... To lack that grit and edge that Nathan Drake has, and I'm definitely not buying Mark Wahlberg in this role. I don't buy him in many roles, but certainly not this one.
1: Like you say, I've not played the game, so I don't have that connection to the character of knowing what they're supposed to look like or sound like or act like on screen. If they were going for this as the younger Nathan Drake, early years thing to try and build up into something else, maybe? I don't know. I've seen a couple of clips where they've compared scenes in the film or the some of the stunts in the film to what you see in the game particularly when he's falling out of the plane onto all the different luggage yeah. containers that are attached and all that they seem to have been very faithful in that particular way but like you say if, you, if you're thinking that the actor doesn't suit I mean, I like Tom Holland, but like you say, maybe he's too nice to play Niven <laughs> Drake. It's one of those. It's difficult. The extra scene, or the, the couple of the extra scenes that seem to be in this, out of all of them, the ones that I like the look of, it makes no sense, but it looks kind of awesome, is the flying pirate ships getting dragged around <laughs> by helicopters. Now, it makes no blooming sense, but oh my God, does that look fun.
0: It looks a bit Diet Indiana Jones, I think, in terms of mm. the film, and... The thing about Uncharted is they're riffing on blockbuster action stuff. So in itself, it's supposed to be a bit of a, a pastiche in a way. It's supposed to be dialed up to a living in that respect. That's the whole point of the games. And it feels like they might have missed the point here in that respect. It's one of those things, the game was heavily influenced by certain things in cinema. So when you finally get around to making a film, it just looks dull and generic because... source material is already riffing on that it's like when you get something like valerian the film comes out and everyone's like this is just like star wars and it's well yeah it is because star wars stole from this source material originally when you don't realize that and then the adaptation of the original thing comes along a bit later it's just "But this looks like everything i've seen before same with any fantasy stuff it's like this is just like lord of the rings well this is the thing that helped inspire lord of the rings (laughs) in some ways It'll be difficult for audiences to appreciate that history of it but it looks kind of fun. Yeah, I do think Tom Holland looks a bit too squeaky clean to be Nathan Drake, but maybe he'll surprise me in that respect. Mark Wahlberg just, I don't know. Why does that guy get work? I just don't understand. <laughs> he has been good in things, but I don't know. They treat the reveal of the fact that he has a moustache as if it's the unveiling of a surprise Marvel character. It's a moustache. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> no one's going to be looking at him. He has the moustache. Yes, I'm watching this. But that's the way they're treating the reveal at the end of the trailer. It's very weird.
1: Uh, sometimes I feel that's a response to people watching the trailer, the initial trailer, and go, "What's this? He's not got a mustache. It's ridiculous. I can't believe that they've taken that out, and then they add it into the next trailer." And everyone's like, "Oh, how stupid! They're using the mustache as a reveal as a gag." Come on, you you guys are never going to be happy. Hang on a second. I'm just cancelling Mark Wahlberg from the two hundred. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> all those guests. Damn it. <laughs> Do you think they got in touch with Warner Brothers and said, Do you still have the Henry Cavill moustache that you erased for Justice League? Can we have it, please? <laughs> we need it for Mark Wahlberg. We need to put it on someone this time.
1: Ah, oh, that would be brilliant. Yeah, we need to add the moustache back in. It turns out the fans demand moustache. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Like you say, it looks like a play on a lot of the stuff that we've seen before. I think it might be fun. I probably will end up going to watch it. But like I say, I don't have that connection to the games other people have got.
0: I love the games. I think they're really good fun. But like I say, they're based on blockbuster stuff. The set pieces are deliberately over the top because they're riffing on on blockbuster movies of that type. So... The fact is, this film is just delivering set pieces that look kind of similar to stuff you might have seen before. We'll soon see. It'll be a thing that comes out and might be okay. Mm. Speaking of video game adaptations, we've got our first trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I think this trailer looks amazing. I really enjoyed the first one. I think they did a really good job with it. It had no right to be as good as it was, but they did a really good job with it. This one, he's moonlighting as a superhero calling themselves Blue Justice or whatever it is. There's lots of fan service in it. You see a Chaos Emerald, the biplane, Tails is in it. Knuckles has Idris Elba's voice. It looks epic. Robotnik's back. It looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. It looks like they're throwing everything in there and they're really just going for it this time rather than essentially just testing the water to see if it could be a viable concept in the first one. Whereas this one, it's just, yeah, screw it. People like the first one. Let's go for this. I'm all for it. I cannot wait to see this
1: yeah the first one like you say it was a big surprise to me at how much I enjoyed it it was just ridiculous and with this one it looks like they're embracing that more Jim Carrey in the first one was just fantastic as Robotnik really good fun just going for it they obviously just let them run riot with it and do bits of improv and silly stuff around it I imagine that they've done the same with this getting to see Tails and Knuckles and bringing all that in just looks fun it looks even bigger in scale again and like you say, they've maybe got the confidence now just to let rip and go with it.
0: Still need James Marsden in there for some reason, though he's he's still required.
1: <laughs> Someone put a meme up on Instagram, and it's uh, James Marsden and Sonic sitting in the boat next to the lake, and it's James Marsden pointing in the direction and going, and then Gene killed me right over there, which <laughs> made me laugh. <laughs> That's quite funny.
0: <laughs> I do quite enjoy that. Yeah, Sonic Two. That'll be good fun. wouldn't be a Valentine's Day watch like it was the last time. Ooh. <laughs> that was just before the world went to pot, wasn't it?
1: It was, before everything went wrong. Maybe that was the first sign of the apocalypse, was me and you spending Valentine's watching Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Maybe that was it. It's just the world couldn't handle it and it just collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. I'm hoping it will live up to the promises that the trailer delivers now our next trailer is fantastic beasts the secrets of dumbledore i'm not keen for this at all <laughs> i hated the first two movies and I've, there's no reason to assume i'll enjoy this one none at all i suspect it'll be all lore and no plot like the last one is and i've spoken to harry potter fans that love that they love the fact that they just go into the detail of the history of certain characters and whatever what the second film essentially was is the characters going from place to place and then getting stuff explained to them before they maybe have a little fight or whatever and then they go to another place and get stuff explained to them and, and repeat until the film mercifully ends. I'm concerned that this is going to be the same thing because J.K. Rowling, you can say what you like about her skills as an author. She's a terrible screenwriter and she gets to write these and nobody seems to check them, <laughs> just film them, which is bizarre. And they keep forcing in this new Scamander character, despite the fact he has no place in this plot anymore, because it's going so much bigger. Like, the secrets of Dumbledore. What's he got to do with that? Who cares? I'm fairly sure this one's going to not
1: be for me. I have seen the first film. I think it was shown on ITV or something like that, and I saw it there. I have not seen the second film, because the first one didn't really push any particular buttons for me. This, again, I'm not really interested I can see that it's got some nostalgia stuff in there because it's showing Hogwarts and doing all that. So, yeah, it's trying to push particular buttons maybe for Potter fans, but for me, I've not really got any interest in it. Because I've not watched the other ones, I'm not particularly queuing up to see this.
0: I'm based on whether I actually go and see it or not. Like I say, I really hated the second one. The first one I thought was okay, but the f- second one, god. I don't know, it's like two and a half hours of my life that I'll just never get back because... It drags on so long. I
1: get what you're saying. For
0: some people, maybe they will
1: be interested in hearing the background of certain characters, but it feels like it should be told from another person's point of view. Like you say, Newt's story probably ended in the first film. (laughs) This is past you now. On to someone else. And they should just pass the torch between films. Even if you do have them cropping up somewhere, the point of view should probably change between each film.
0: Well, the thing that confused me about the first film is it starts with him writing the book about the Fantastic Beasts, but that means he has nowhere to go character arc-wise. So why not start the film where he's learning about these creatures and then the end of the third film, or however many of these you want to make, is when he decides Mm. to write the book because he now understands how these creatures work. But it very quickly moves away from that because you have the whole Grindelwald story that he has nothing to do with, really. And now there's Dumbledore thing with his brother and all this stuff. It's like he's dancing around the fringes of this universe that's been created, learning different things so that the audience can learn different things. But it's less about, look at these crazy creatures that inhabit this world and someone has to tame them. Yeah, It's not for me, clearly. It's for people that like reading the appendices of Harry Potter novels, I think. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Reacher. We have an Amazon Prime TV series about the character Jack Reacher, there was two Tom Cruise movies, one of which was good, one of which was not, but now we have a more quote-unquote accurate depiction here with Alan Richson, who certainly looks physically more like the description of the character in the books, as I understand it. He is definitely not Tom Cruise. Let's put it that way. He is not Tom Cruise, because in the book they describe him as like seven foot tall and blonde or whatever. I don't think he's seven foot tall, but well, Alan Richson isn't. <laughs> seven foot tall but he certainly looks more akin to what people expect from the book i suppose it looks fine although it looks like a pretty standard i don't even know what spy thing is he a spy i don't know he's, he's a guy that goes in and fixes stuff it just looks like a fairly standard action adventure type thing malcolm goodwin's in it a good shout out for him he was in i zombie which is a show that i loved so it's good to see him getting work again will i watch this probably not because i didn't watch jack ryan Despite the fact that I thought it might look okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully fans of the books will get more out of this because I know a lot of book fans really hate Tom Cruise depiction because he is essentially the opposite of what Jack Creature's is supposed to look like according to the description in the novels.
1: Yeah, sometimes that can work, sometimes it doesn't. This looks good. I've not read the books. Again, it's another one of these ones where I don't really have a connection to the source material at all. Like you say, it looks like it's a criminal investigation or something like that going on. It doesn't look like it's a spy thing. It looks like he's closer tied to cops than he is to a spy agency. But yeah, it looks interesting. I don't know if this is supposed to be like an earlier originsy type story for him or if this is meant to be him part way through. I know that he goes off and does so many different things in the books so i'm I'm not sure where this is set in his particular canon.
0: the trailer makes it look like he's established but I don't know if the books start with him being established or no. not so maybe there is no origin because I know that the Tom Cruise movie was one of the later books it wasn't the first book they adapted they just picked one and used that which was fine because you got the whole setup and then you got a bit of an insight into why he does these things and and all that stuff so. I don't know. And maybe I'll never find out because I don't know if I'll ever watch it. I just remember Alan Richson from playing Aquaman in Smallville, and he's a really bad actor in Smallville. I don't know if he's gotten any better since then. I know he's in things like Doom Patrol and, and other things. Or is it Doom he's in one of the DC things. He's Hawk or Dove, whichever one it is, isn't he? I think so, yeah. I don't know if that's in Doom Patrol or whether it was in Titans or whatever. But he's he was in that, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he's any good at it. I have no idea. I haven't seen those things, but sure. Let's see what he does. He did voice one of the turtles in the Michael Bay turtles movies. (laughs) Raphael, maybe? I have no idea.
1: (laughs) He did that. Do you think you'll watch this? I might do. If it sort of pops up in between me watching other stuff, it might be one of those that I put on and sort of get Swallowed up in. I don't know. It's weird some of the stuff that I end up picking up. I'm a sucker for the, you know, you finish watching something and suddenly a trailer for something pops up and before you know it, you're actually watching the thing. I get hooked into a ton of that, so maybe I will. I'm not massively drawn to it. It does look good. It's just, it's not making me desperate to see
0: it. Fair play. Next up, we have another trailer for Peacemaker. John Cena returning to that role he played in The Suicide Squad. And I think this looks great. I can't wait to see this. I love John Cena in that role. Like I keep saying, John Cena is at his best when he's funny. And it looks like he's very funny in this. It looks like the show will explore his moral code in some way. There's something to do with the relationship with his father. There's all sorts of stuff. There's a version of Vigilante, who I believe is the Adrian Chase version. He's certainly ten steps ahead of nobody in this. For those that like Arrow, you will know exactly what I mean there. But yeah. Looks great! I can't wait to see this. It's going to be a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, I I think so. Every trailer, it just looks really silly. They're embracing it, but they're adding depth to the character at the same time. It it seems to be towing that line, like you say, giving them the moral code and giving them some character development while also just leaning into the stupidity of what's going on. It's kind of a tie into Suicide Squad that I didn't know I wanted, but now that I've seen the trailer, I'm like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I kind of (laughs) do.
0: In the trailer, they actually reference a Suicide Squad, don't they? It's that we don't have a Suicide Squad, so you'll have to do <laughs> this collection of the less than ideal candidates to solve whatever this problem is. Yeah. He has his pet eagle, or his eagle sidekick. That looks pretty cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see this. And we'll have to wait very long. It's out middle of January at some point, so that'll be good fun. Cannot wait. Let's move over to Netflix now. We have a very long windy title. The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. What a title. It's got Kristen Bell in it, which means I might watch it. I did break my Netflix fast by watching Tick, Tick, Boom recently and I absolutely loved that movie. I cannot describe how much I love that movie. But anyway, let's not get into that. But this has got Kristen Bell in it, so it means I might watch it. She's a seriously troubled person who drinks and takes pills even though she's not supposed to although is anyone supposed to drink that much and take pills probably not there's a whole question around whether she's hallucinating or actually seeing reality and an interesting repeated image of her dropping food that she makes she's always dropping crockery everywhere and and ruining whatever she's made it's very much a tease so it plays up the whole mystery of is she nuts or is she seeing something that needs to be reported. So it looks interesting, and I I like Kristen Bell. She's very, very good at anything that she does. It it
1: just really doesn't appeal to me. It just looks like it's going to be a bit of a psychological thing, and I'm not really up for that being all drawn out for ages. It's not my particular sphere (laughs) to watch, so it's probably one that I'll miss. I mean,
0: I probably won't watch it, let's be honest. It's a Netflix thing. It'll come out, and then I'll just not watch it. That's what usually happens. But who knows, I might. It just depends what's going on at the time. Staying with Netflix and returning to Michelle Yeoh, we have a prequel for The Witcher called The Witcher Blood Origin. Again, this probably isn't for me. I did watch the first episode of The Witcher when it first appeared and I didn't really get into it. So I don't think I'll really get into this. But it looks like Netflix are all in on this franchise. They're really building it out. They want to have it multiple spin-offs and you've got michelle Yeoh with pointed ears so that that appeals i suppose
1: (laughs) yeah i guess yeah like michelle Yeoh, like i said earlier on like seeing her in different bits and pieces the witcher i'm kind of the same as you i made it about three episodes in i think and it just didn't click you have a bunch of very miserable characters and by that point you're not really rooting for anyone either. I'm like, why am I watching this? (laughs) Why am I going through it? Again, (laughs) another game series that I've not played, so I don't have any connection to the source either, so I'm not like excited about something that's about to appear, I'm not looking at different things or getting lots of the insider references to other places or characters or hinting at things, so it doesn't really draw me in. Maybe this would be better for me because this is an origin like a never told before story but I don't think it will. I might give The Witcher another retry and I know a lot of people like it. I might try and and get there but yeah I I don't think this is for me.
0: As I understand it the series is more based on the books than the video games. Mm. The video games are also based on the books obviously but they draw on the books rather than the video games so there'll be differences I think between the series and the games, because they'll interpret things differently, I suppose. But again, I don't know. I haven't read the books, and I haven't really played the video games. I know Angus has. He really enjoyed, certainly, the third one. He enjoyed that a lot. I don't know if he watches the show. Maybe we'll ask him one day. <laughs> Maybe when this comes <laughs> out, are you watching this? And he he will be like, nah. I just played the third game. Leave me alone. I don't know. It looks very well produced. It looks like there's some cool action in it. Michelle Yeoh laps up this sort of stuff. So it's good to see that she has so much work. Yes. So let's move on to a sitcom. We have How I Met Your Father, which is not a spin-off, as I understand it, of How I Met Your Mother. It's just the same concept, but with a female protagonist instead of a male protagonist. So you've got Kim Cattrall playing the older version of Hilary Duff, narrating the, here, kids, this is How I Met Your Father. And this will probably be cancelled within one season, so you'll never find out How <laughs> I Actually Met Your Father. So it's not going to happen. I loved How I Met Your Mother. I thought it was a really good show. I've followed that. I got into it when it was late in its run and then I picked it up for the last couple of seasons just watching it week on week. So I got really invested in it and I really liked it. I'm one of the people that thought the ending was okay. I know a lot of people feel betrayed and hate it, but I I thought they did a reasonable job with it. And I know they've been trying to get this off the ground for a long time. In fact, there is a pilot out there for How I Met Your Dad, I think it was called at that point that was actually filmed. You can find it on the internet. It's not that good. I did watch it. This I don't think it looks that good either. I didn't laugh once at the trailer which is not a good sign. If you're throwing a collection of gags at me in a trailer for a comedy and I don't laugh once that's not a good sign. Because I loved How I Met Your Mother I might at least watch the first one to see what I think of it but I'm not encouraged so far. It took a long time to get a version of the show to actually exist and it's just bizarre that or going back to it. There seems to be a dated quality to the trailer. It seems very dated, but I don't know what the state of actual network sitcoms are at this moment. I know this one's on Hulu, so it's sort of a streaming service, but it has the feel of a network sitcom. So I don't know if network sitcoms are still that you kind know, of dated collection of gags and cheap sets type setup or not, but it just feels like it's harkening back to an era that we don't need to return to.
1: Yeah, if it was harkening back to how I met your mother then I'd probably be more for it, but this just seems that it's got its own its own thing. It doesn't seem to have a similar comedy vibe to it that how I met your mother had. I'm similar to you, I got into it closer towards the end of its run. I had a flatmate for a bit who enjoyed watching it and I ended up watching a few things. I'd like I'd always dismissed it as ah oh, I'm not gonna like that. But then I sat there and watched it with him and just loved it. So then started watching it. I think it was like E4 had it playing from the beginning all the way up to when they were doing the finale so i picked it up and watched my way through it and yeah absolutely loved it don't get me wrong some of the gags and things in it are a bit dated now but they were really fun at the time and this just doesn't look good i'm the same as you i didn't laugh at the trailer the jokes all seemed like stuff that you had either seen before or just really obvious I'm trying to tie it to the original and I'm like, oh, so is this character meant to be similar to this other character? The collection folk just don't seem particularly to gel. Maybe you need to watch more of it in order for everything to click into place. It's very difficult to set up a situation comedy like that where you've got to establish the characters, you've got to establish what they're like and how they joke with each other and how they interact and that could be tough, but this just doesn't pull me in it doesn't make me want to watch it like you say it's a collection of sort of disjointed gags i get that the overall story is meant to be how i met your father but the trailer doesn't really hint much at that apart from that she goes on a couple of dates unsuccessful dates and there's jokes about that in there and that's it it doesn't seem great and I don't know if the creative team behind it, if there's any tie at all to How I Met Your Mother. I don't know if it's the same people that are writing for it or show running it. It doesn't have that feel. And that suggests to me that it isn't, or if there is a connection, it's very, very loose.
0: I think it's a conceptual spin off rather than it being an actual spin off. Although it could turn out that Hilary Duff's playing one of the children of the previous set of characters. I don't know, has it been long enough for her to be the that age. I don't think it'll have any connection to the first one. They might nod at it at some point. You might see one of the characters in the background of an episode or something like that. Or maybe it will just be its own thing. And yeah, how do you modernise the whole how I met your mother concept? You talk about Tinder, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. So That's how you modernise it. It had a lot of that, and I feel like it'll be one of those things that's very dated very quickly, which happens with sitcoms anyway. If you try and watch Friends now with a fresh eye, you'll be like, oh my god, this was never life, surely. It's people sitting around and not going to work and none of them have mobile phones somehow. Yeah. <laughs> how did they ever do anything? It's the same with How I Met Your Mother I suppose. If I was to go back to that I would notice aspects of that that I've dated quite badly because it's of its time isn't it? And it just doesn't feel like it was that long ago it finished although it was quite a while ago it actually finished. i probably watch at least one of them. I mean, it's not going to take too much of my time. It's going to be 20 minutes or something like that. So I can watch one of them, right? And then make a decision from there as to whether I'll continue. But I suspect this won't survive for very long.
1: Yeah, I I agree. It has the feel of something that's going to last a season, if that. The fact that it's tied to an American streaming service as well i don't know if anyone over here is even going to pick this up unless it gets signed up for a second season or a third season and then finally a network over here will decide oh do you know what maybe we'll throw it on something but i don't have the feeling the humor in this is going to translate
0: with it being a hulu thing it might turn up on disney plus if it goes anywhere it'll be there Mm. But we'll see. I haven't seen anything about that in terms of it actually showing up. But. Okay, our last two trailers are a couple of CW things. By the time you're listening to this, they might actually be on, but I'll put them on anyway because it is still in the future. The first one, Superman and Lois, Season 2. And I'm really looking forward to this. I loved Season 1. You can listen to us wax lyrical about that for a couple of hours on another podcast that we did last year. So that's something I'm very excited about. The ideas based on the trailer looks like there's going to be more tension in the Lois and Clark marriage. He's going to be dealing with a less cooperative connection to the military that questions him. There's more of the juggling family and superhero stuff. It looks like they're just taking everything that they built up in season one and expanding on it and running with it and playing with the extra tension that can result from those things so yeah i'm here for it and that submarine sequence looks like it's going to be great No, it does.
1: The submarine sequence looks very, very cool. It was interesting that they sort of flicked back and forth to that a few times. They did the submarine shot, so it's interesting. I don't know if that's part of like an early episode, so they've got the visual effects already done for that, or if that's teasing something for a bit later. Really enjoyed the first season. It was one of these standout shows. It was just tonally so different from what we had seen before. It was shot differently from what we had seen before. I loved it. This looks like it's more of the same... It looks like they're sticking to their strong points, which was a lot of the family drama was actually better than some of the superhero stuff, which is rare in these shows. (laughs) Normally it's, it's very skewed the other way around. It's interesting to see the new family dynamic that they've got there. His relationship with the military, where he's being called more of a liability than a hero, is an interesting twist on what they've done before. Um... Definitely going to be watching this. Trailer looks great.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see it. Season one was very strong, and I'm hoping that it will be more of the same in terms of being strong, not more of the same in terms of the plot. Everything needs to move on, I think. They've got a lot of good stuff to build on, and I'm confident they will. Final trailer is the new CW superhero thing, brand new show, Naomi. We've talked about it before in the podcast, before we'd seen any. Footage really, and a bit on fandom where you got a couple of minutes of not even a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds of footage. The trailer makes it look like it's at least a riff on a chosen one type narrative. It's we found a girl and she's special for some reason, and it's the fairly standard story of being normal, gaining powers, and then dealing with them. But there's this whole thing about superheroes like Superman seem to be fictional characters in the universe she lives in, and then those universes bleed through into hers. At least the impression I get from this trailer. But I don't know what they're going to do with that. Because you do see Superman in the trailer, as in a blur that flies over her. So whether Tyler Hecklin or whoever will appear in the first episode in a brief appearance, I don't know. But I'm, I'm interested in what we've seen so far. Visually, it looks very impressive as well. It's in the same vein as Superman and Lois in that they've set up a distinct visual style for it. So it's very colourful and very in-your-face, very bright. And same as Stargirl as well, they put forward a very distinct visual aesthetic, which seems to be the way that the CW shows are going. Obviously, things like The Flash and so on that are still on, they're stuck to the template that has been established for the Arrowverse shows up until that point. But it seems like any new stuff, they're making an effort to put more of a stamp on it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I can agree with that. Trailer looks really interesting. I know so little about this character. I don't really know... Same anything (laughs) so i've just got to go with what's on the screen and it looks interesting i'll give it a beginning watch to go oh is this something that i'm going to click with or not but yeah from this looks really interesting so definitely I will watch
0: same and that's on the same day that superman and lois comes back so cool that's not far away we did it we made it through the trailers so that's it for footage that we can discuss let's move on to some written stories that I found. And as always, we'll go through our pillars of Neil Before blog slash pod and we'll start with Marvel. So the first bit of Marvel news is that Shang-Chi has a confirmed sequel with Destin Daniel Cretton returning to write and direct it. And that's not all he's doing with Marvel. He's going to be working on a new series for Disney Plus, which has been Not clarified as to what it is yet. And he's signed an exclusive multi-year deal to develop TV projects for Marvel Studios and Hulu's Onyx Collective, whatever that is. I'm glad we're getting a Shang-Chi sequel. Love that film. The characters are great. I want to see them continue in their own thing. I want to see more of the martial artsy stuff. and I'm pretty keen to see what they'll do next with that character. It getting a sequel, it almost seemed like a foregone conclusion because they usually do and it's confirmed that.
1: yeah I, w- I was surprised this hadn't been confirmed earlier when i read the story coming up i thought this had already been announced i thought strong she had come out and essentially on the back of the initial reception they had went oh by the way we're making more stuff but yeah i'm glad that they're going to get their own standalone it's interesting to hear that they're taking on someone creatively to establish multiple shows it shows that they've obviously got confidence and what they can put together so yeah i, I think this is great like you love shang i think it's a right shame that it was released during this time of pandemic and everything because i think it would have done a lot better and i, I would have loved more people to have properly seen it in the cinema but yeah glad that they're gonna get a second go
0: yeah, we'll see what the story continues as. Next bit of Marvel news, surprising no one, is that Kobe Smulders is going to be reprising her role as Maria Hill in Secret Invasion. So she'll be joining Ben Mendelssohn, obviously, because he's in that. Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson will also be in it, obviously. Olivia Coleman's in it, Amelia Clark, Kingsley Ben Adir, Christopher MacDonald, and Killian Scott. They're all in there too. Like I say, this is no surprise that Maria Hill will be tagging along with Nick Fury. It seems to be the way of things. But I'm glad that it's happening.
1: Yeah, like you, not surprised. Again, it's one of those ones of I just kind of assumed that would be the case. (laughs) I'm glad that they've officially announced it because I guess once trailers or footage or whatever appears, she's going to be in it. So they might as well put it out in a press release.
0: Yeah, might as well. Still no idea what the form of the secret invasion story in the show will take, but that'll be upcoming. We'll find out eventually. I keep saying this, but I doubt that it will be a one-to-one adaptation of the comic story because the scrolls aren't what they are in the comics in the MCU but we'll find out
1: yeah they'll need to do a twist on it they'll probably do their own take there'll be certain aspects that'll be similar but they'll do their own twist
0: yeah next with Spider-Man No Way Home out of the way Disney and Sony are deciding to continue their partnership and develop more Spider-Man stories in the MCU this is again no surprise because the film I think as of yesterday, cleared a billion dollars. Yesterday at the time of recording, cleared a billion dollars at Christmas in a pandemic. So people clearly like what Marvel are doing with this character and Sony quite like money. So therefore, they're continuing the partnership. <laughs> There's been all this chat back and forth where Tom Holland's been talking about, yeah, well, Spider-Man will continue, but maybe it won't be me. And then there was this whole thing about, I oh, am yeah, my salary is going to go up to eight figures for the next one. Tom Holland will probably appear. But I feel like they might start laying the groundwork for Miles Morales from here on. If they do another trilogy with Tom Holland, they might set up his departure at the end of the next trilogy, would be my guess.
1: Yeah, um, a bit like you, it's like, yep, it's made all the money, therefore they're going to keep collaborating together to make even more of the money. More Spider-Man in the MCU, yeah, totally believe it. I know that Tom Holland's done the thing about, oh, maybe five years. You can fit in quite a few movies in five years, especially if you're counting sideways appearances in other films as those appearances uh, and tie-ins, so it wouldn't surprise me that that's the case i get that he's potentially wanting to ditch certain aspects of the character move on and do other things but it doesn't seem to have stopped him from doing a lot of stuff he's done a few independent bits he's managed to do things like cherry for example he's done uncharted which is another big film that has a long filming commitment in amongst managing to do the marvel stuff so that doesn't surprise me do i think they're going to move on and have some other spider characters in there i think so i think there's a lot that you can do. There's a lot that you can pick up from. I think it would be great to have a live action Miles Morales. I'd really like to see that. There's other ways they could go as well. There's so much sitting there, potential. And I'm glad that they're still going to get to play with the MCU sandbox. I'm kind of glad that's the case because I was worried. <laughs> I don't know how much I could say or how much I should say, to be honest. You can edit around me, Craig, if you want. But I kind of <laughs> thought that Spider Man No Way Home may have been the divorce point between the two but without going without saying too
0: much it culminates in a way that could easily separate it off if they wanted to but also keep it in if they wanted it to that's all i'm gonna say Hmm. if you want to hear us discuss whoever it is i don't know we haven't even arranged who's going to be on this episode yet but if you want to hear me and other people discuss the potential future of this character in the mcu listen to the Spider-Man No Way Home podcast when it appears because we'll get into that there. I don't want to spoil anything here because people might not have seen it yet and you know how spoiler-averse people get, but then again, maybe if we did spoil everything, people would listen to it and then hate <laughs> us and would get millions of listens because people hate us. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. That price of popularity is not one I'm willing to pay. I don't want to be known as that spoil guy but the spoilers are all out there right you don't have to look very far on the internet to find them Mm. but you're not going to find them here
1: yeah you don't need to look far and there's lots of stuff on social media and everything i would say to people if you're worried that an aspect of no way home has been spoiled for you go and see it anyway because it's not i would say there's a lot more in that film than whatever spoilers might be out there and it's worth seeing even if you think it's been ruined for you Definitely go and see it. Go and see it on the big screen and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then listen to our podcast where we dive deep (laughs) into it. Yeah, then listen to us ruin it for you. (laughs) Anyway, that's as done with Marvel. There was a bit about, there's a petition to actually recast Black Panther, but I don't really We got too far into that until there's more to discuss there. It just seems that people are keen to get the character back, whether Chadwick Boseman's playing him or not, which is a bigger discussion. We won't get into it in this one when there's more to it. Perhaps when a decision's been made and things, we'll we'll talk about it.
1: Perhaps after you see the next film and whatever they may do in the next film, you could make your petition. It seems a bit premature to be doing it now.
0: Yeah, they're in the middle of filming. uh, They're not (laughs) going to change things too heavily. Anyway, let's move over to DC. So we've got some more news about the Flash movie, which is definitely happening because we saw footage of it. And uh, Michael Shannon, of all people, has turned up on the cast list to reprise his role as Zod somehow. And um, the actress that played Veora, who was in Man of Steel as well, will also perhaps be in it. It's very strange. (laughs) Michael Shannon showing up. I mean, it's multiverse, right? It's just another version from another universe. Because he dies in Man of Steel. Spoilers for Man of Steel, which is quite an old film at this point. Michael Shannon's Zod was good. I'm keen to see him again, if so. But like with No Way Home, I'm worried about the increasing cast list for this film. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ezra Miller's in it, too by the way for a few minutes i've said this before
1: i think on multiple podcasts where we've discussed it in person as well when we've met up i don't get this film i feel it's such a shame that it's not going to be a flash film that's kind of what i've got in my head is that they went oh we want to do a flash movie but we're not confident that we can do a flash movie so we're just throwing everything else at it also appearing will be the flash maybe for about 20 percent of this (laughs) film but the story's going to be based on everything else.
0: Yeah, that's all that's known. We don't know in what capacity Zod will appear, but apparently he's going to be in it. Next bit of DC News, they have officially confirmed that there will be a Penguin prequel series to the Batman starring Colin Farrell. I find it very strange that they've announced two spin spin-offs to this film that nobody's seen yet. It's very (laughs) bizarre that this is happening, but it's happening. And I'm not sure I'm all that interested in a Penguin prequel series, but it's happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting character that you can play about with, but again, I'm I'm like you. They don't even know if we like the film yet, but they're announcing, oh, by the way, we're working on so much stuff that's going to be attached to this that you will not believe. I'm not sure. I don't know what they can focus on and make it last. it's like a limited run series if it's a short six episode arc or whatever just to add a bit of flavor to the character it might work every time i hear a series is being launched i always assume that it's going to be multiple series of this it's going to go for years we've got an eight season plan (laughs) for how we're going to do this but maybe it will just be a limited run let's play with this character for a bit let's establish this character in a different way and then it'll be done. It's like a little one and done thing. I don't know. I'm like you. I'm not particularly excited about it. I think there's stuff that they can do that might make it interesting. It might surprise me, but not dying to see it.
0: The series will apparently delve into his rise to power in the criminal underworld. Isn't that what Gotham was kind of about? It seems like they've separated Gotham out into two component parts. You've got the Gotham PD series <laughs> that they're doing and you've got the Penguin series. So it's you've got the Gotham police stuff. We're going to be dealing with this and we've got the penguin thing, but never the two shall meet, or maybe Jeffrey Wright will turn up in both shows, we don't know. I imagine there'll be some crossover appeal, because that's
1: what they're doing these things for, aren't they? They're very much on the same model as what Disney are doing with a lot of the Marvel stuff, which is, you'll get your films, and then some people will cross over from the films into the TV, some of the TV will spill over into the films, and the idea is that... You'll watch all of it because you want to be aware of everything that's going on. You want to get the in references. And I guess that's what a lot of this is about as well.
0: Who knows? I'm not excited on the surface of it because I'm not hugely excited by this Batman film. So (laughs) the suggestion of spin-offs of it, I'm like, okay. (laughs) that's fine I mean the film first and then I'll see if I want to see connected stuff to it
1: yeah it's the way the system works now though that they've got to announce all the sequels and all the tv editions and things first before you've seen it because they've got to explain what they're spending all their money on and what all these actors are doing so they demand that press releases go out to explain why this actor's unavailable because they're working on a big thing rather than just saying oh they're doing lots of secret stuff honest it's not that no one's hiring them it's that they're working on this project And I guess that's why a lot of this gets announced before it comes out. But from my point of view, I always see it as Going too early. I don't want to go into a film thinking, "Oh my god, I'm going to be in this for years now." <laughs> there's going to be eight of these. And there's going to be six series on the back of it, and I'm going to see all these characters.
0: There's going to be a trilogy. There's going yeah. to be two spin-off TV shows. I'm already exhausted yeah. by this Batman. Yeah, I'm <laughs> have you seen it yet? I don't
1: think I've got the time <laughs> to invest in all this Batman stuff that's going to be coming out at the back of this. Do I need to watch it all in order to make it make sense? I'm sure they would say both no and yes at the same time in order to get yeah. me to do it. And often as well, the interesting thing can be that when they make the film or when they write the script, in their head they've got, oh, this character, this is the character that everyone's going to be so interested in by the end of the film that they're going to want to see the spin-off. And then we, as a viewer, watch the film and go, I don't care about that character at all. See that other character that you had in the background (laughs) over there that you gave no screen time to? Love them. They were so good. I can't wait to see their TV show. And they're all sitting there going, damn, we've done the wrong TV show.
0: We've commissioned the wrong character. Kind of feels like they should do a Selena Kyle prequel or sequel or something, which they might end up doing.
1: They might do off the back of the film. It might be see how the character lands. They might be waiting to do that, or they might already be working on it, and then it gets announced right off the back of the publicity from the film. You don't know. It seems weird for the Gotham PD one to be the one that's struck up first in the Penguin prequel being struck up
0: first. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of Batman, it would seem that Michael Keaton is going to be appearing in the Batgirl film, which is curious because... That film seems to be set in the Snyderverse with Ben Affleck, who is also rumoured to appear. I don't know if he was explicitly confirmed to appear, but he's rumoured to appear in that film. And J.K. Simmons is going to be in the film as Commissioner Gordon, so Barbara Gordon is his daughter. So it's either the same universe as the Snyder movies or a similar enough universe to the Snyder movies. But Michael Keaton will be appearing... They did say quite a while ago that Michael Keaton would act as something of a Nick Fury of this DC multiverse. He would hop between realities and things and do things. So maybe that's what's happening here. But he's going to be in this. And I am really keen to see Michael Keaton back in this role. I feel like his Batman is more my speed. And I'll be interested to see how it is when he's so much older.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because he's appearing in The Flash as well, isn't he? Yeah. I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. But again, it seems like it's getting very convoluted with the different crossing over characters in these films. We've seen it being able to be done well, so let's trust them on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And Batgirl is going to be an HBO Max exclusive movie, which will appear sometime in 2022. I think it's a bit of a shame they're not theatrically releasing it, but maybe they'll change their mind on that between now and then
1: yeah it might depend on what the situation is round about that time or what the buzz is ahead of it
0: it was being developed as an hbo max exclusive thing but it feels like it would have decent legs in the cinema i don't know well, i'll watch it either way but michael keaton already two confirmed well not fully confirmed but already two appearances of him as batman or bruce wayne in different properties so yeah we might get to see more of his stuff in the future so that'd be great it'll be key to see more of michael keaton that role let's move on to the cw we only have one item here and it's a dc thing they are developing a gotham knights drama based on the popular comics of the same name also there's gonna be a video game that's about that they've said it's not a spin-off of batwoman but it does share some of the writers the tv series will follow bruce wayne's rebellious adopted son in the wake of bruce's murder as he's forced to forge an unlikely alliance with the children of batman's enemies after they are all framed for killing the caped crusader. As the city's most wanted criminals, this renegade band of misfits must fight to clear their names, but in a Gotham with no Dark Knight to protect it, the city becomes more dangerous than it has ever been. However, hope comes from the most unexpected of places, as this team of mismatched fugitives will become its next generation of saviours, known as the Gotham Knights. No casting has been announced, and if it fits into the Arrowverse they haven't said how it'll fit in, although they've said it's not a spin-off about women. So it suggests it's just going to be set in a different universe.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would say so. It's going to be in its own separate thing, isn't it? And even if it's not going to be its own separate thing permanently, they will initially launch it as its own separate thing, and then they'll declare if they're going to cross over in the second season, which seems to be the rule with these shows, is that they will <laughs> do their first season and be allowed to play with some of the toy box, but not necessarily commit to being in the same
0: universe. It suggests to me that they will be setting it in a different universe, because it's set in Gotham. And Gotham, in the Arrowverse, already has Batwoman. So unless you share the crime-fighting responsibilities with this other team, it's very much doubt that that'll be the case.
1: As we've seen before, it becomes deadly because it becomes the, oh, why don't you call your pals who are two blocks away to help you out with this particular problem?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it will be connected in any major way. and I don't know if it will be any good. Batman's son might be Damian Wayne. We've already had a Talia al Ghul in the Arrowverse who definitely wasn't in a relationship with Batman because Bruce Wayne wasn't really mentioned at that point because you had Oliver Queen filling in the Bruce Wayne role for a bit. And Bruce Wayne is only ever really mentioned in Batwoman. He is being seen, sort of, but not quite. And obviously you have the version in Crisis that was in a different universe anyway. So, I don't know. Another CW superhero show pretty much means that I'll watch it, at least for a while. But yes, conceptually it sounds quite interesting. And it leans into the established formula of we have a team of heroes fighting crime. That the Arrowverse stuff does, so yeah, I'm already on board with its setup, I suppose.
1: Yeah, we have a team of heroes fighting crime in a city full of all these different criminals with established backstories that we can pull in and out as we please. It doesn't sound too bad. Like you say, it's one of these CW things. I'll probably end up watching it for a first couple of episodes or so, and again, a bit like I said about now, we give it a, a watch and see if I, I fancy keeping it going or
0: not. Assuming it gets to the stage of actually being filmed, but it's in the early stages. Okay, we're done with the CW, so let's move on to just more general stuff. Let's start with Star Wars. We have casting for... An upcoming show called The Acolyte, Amandla Stenberg, is in talks to join the upcoming Disney Plus series. Had a quick look at her IMDb, I've not seen her in anything, at least that I would remember her in. I've actually seen Columbiana, she's in that, but I don't remember that. Details on the character she would play are being kept under tight wraps, but an Acolyte in the Star Wars universe has typically referred to a Sith, who has just begun their training under an experienced Sith Lord. This, of course, was prior to Sith Lord Darth Bane instituting the Rule of Two, under which there are only ever two Sith in existence at any one time, one master and one apprentice. So maybe this show will chronicle the end of that era and the start of the Rule of Two and how that came into being. Who knows? But it sounds like a really interesting idea.
1: Yeah, I agree. It sounds an interesting show. I've enjoyed The Mandalorian and things. They seem to be doing better on the TV front than they've done on the film front. I've not watched any of the Boba Fett thing yet, which is out soon today. Tomorrow, something along those lines at the time of recording.
0: A couple of days from now, as of recording, as of release, it's been on.
1: Yeah, as of release, it's on, and I have an opinion of it, which I can't say here. It's either the fantastic thing that I've always been waiting for or the worst thing I've ever seen, either or. This, again, it sounds like an interesting project, interesting casting. Yeah,
0: I'm up for this. Yeah, not much more to say about it. Very early days. Okay, we have a bit of a reveal of. Avatar 2, which is a film that is apparently still coming out, (laughs) despite the fact we've been talking about it for so long. The first film was so long ago, it's crazy. The second film is set 14 years after the events of the first film. We'll follow Jake and Natiri. They've started a family, and they have an adopted son called Spider, who is human. And there's an image of him wearing a mask emerging from water. And that's about it. They have said Jake took him in, but Nateri Ossom is one of the people who destroyed her home and killed her father. So you have all those dynamics playing out. So it looks like there will still be a bit of the we don't trust the humans type situation from the first film which, yeah, that wouldn't go away immediately. I'd be interested to see what Avatar 2 will be, even though I thought the first one was essentially pretty cut and dry. But they've talked about how there's other moons that have different life on it, so we can explore those. Yeah, there's a thing, and there's an adopted son, and that's a thing that's happening in the film.
1: Yeah, there was always talk of this expanded world that they lived in and that they had worked on a lot more of the backstory and the places than we saw in the first film i keep forgetting that this is a thing because it's been so long (laughs) avatar made a ton of money at the time and it got talked about at the time a lot but it doesn't have that same imprint now i think than it did then so it will be interesting if this film rekindles that or not. They're obviously betting that it will, because I think they've got about five different things off the back of it. They've got plans going way to the distance, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. It really will. I don't really know. We don't know much about the story apart from the fact that humans return to Pandora and it's going to throw everything into a bit of turmoil again. So yeah, I'm interested.
0: The thing about Avatar is, yeah, like you say, it made so much money at the time and it was an outlier in the sense that it wasn't directly adapted from a specific property even though it does share a lot of dna with different properties you can see where the influence came from but it isn't itself an adaptation so the fact that it made so much money is probably tied to james cameron i guess the marketing of from the director of titanic really helped in that respect and a lot of people saw it but then it had no footprint really no one really talks about it anymore no one holds it up as being an excellent example of anything visually it's amazing and Mm. if you see it in 3d there'll definitely be re-releases of it leading up to the release of the second one whenever that will be it definitely changed the game in terms of what could be done with 3d it was very impressive there i remember seeing it in imax a couple of times actually and being just blown away by how amazing it was but the plot is actually pretty by the numbers it's dances with wolves or fern gully that kind of plot that's all it is really there's not a lot of depth there to take from it but what it does it does very well but it's interesting that it made so much money and has no real lasting impact which might get rekindled by the second one or maybe the second one will come out and everyone will be like nah this isn't a marvel movie i'm not interested <laughs> so who knows it could go either way at this point and that'll give james cameron the opportunity to say I don't think superhero movies are cinema. He can join the chorus of other directors saying those things.
1: I genuinely don't know if this will come out and everyone will be like, wow, got to see it, got to see it. Because imagine they'll have to do a big campaign of remember the original because it has been so long, it's had such a gap. Again, I totally agree with you, the visuals for the first one, it had a lot of repeat viewers of folk that maybe saw it in 2D and then got told, oh, you've got to see it in 3D, and then went, oh, by the way, got to see it in IMAX 3D. So seeing it in the three different forms, the plot, like you say, is pretty by the numbers but the visuals of it the world building stuff that they did with it was pretty incredible i'm just surprised that they've waited so long and they've spent so long going into the sequel i always thought that they'd have been a lot quicker at trying to get this out to try and keep what they had established the little spark that was there
0: yeah very bizarre we'll maybe see it in our lifetimes will we see it in james cameron's lifetime i suppose is the question he's kind of an old man (laughs) curious that he's essentially giving the rest of his career to making avatar sequels anyway let's move on we have of all things an adaptation of a song coming out avril lavigne is going to be in some way creating an adaptation of her song skater boy i don't think she'll be writing Film, maybe she will be, I don't know. But she said that she plans to celebrate the upcoming 20th anniversary of the single with a movie, which I can see the song tells a story, doesn't it? So it'll be easy enough to just take the bones of that and turn it into a movie. It'll be what the song is about, but as a film.
1: Yeah, we've seen tweets turned into films already. Instagram <laughs> posts have been turned into films already. It doesn't seem a long stretch to go for a song. Yeah, I agree, it's got a bit of a story to it. It's more of a rough outline based on a book. There's a lot of stuff to work on to make a film out of it or or, or a graphic novel or anything like that. There's a ton that you can go into it. A song it's more of a speck, isn't it? It's more of a, a synopsis of what a film could be, rather than a full-blown outline. I don't see why not. Good on her for celebrating the song. It depresses me that that was 2002. It makes me feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's celebrating its 20th anniversary. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, I'm old.
0: <laughs> so I remember it being sick of hearing that. In yeah, I, I remember
1: <laughs> it being on the radio. I remember hearing a lot of it. But yeah, it's, it's one of those. It just makes me go oh oh, I'm so old I think there's a lot of different songs and stuff that could be turned into films especially when you go back to things like uh, not that I necessarily want this to be a thing but if you look at tracks by Bowie if you look at tracks by Queen, ELO they did big concept albums they did big epic storytelling numbers within songs so there's definitely room to do that sort of stuff
0: Yeah there's a lot of narrative driven songs like The Gambler for example Hmm. that could be a good film potentially things like that. I was trying to think of other songs that could be adapted into films but I came up short because usually I don't think about these things until I listen to the actual song itself so there'll be some point I'm listening to one of the go-to songs that I listen to and then, oh my God, this would be an interesting film. I think the one I called out on Mm -hmm. air
1: the other day was Waitresses and Christmas Wrapping, because that's a sort of story within a song. (laughs) That one of someone sort of hating Christmas and everyone else being jolly around about the time, you could turn that into a fun Christmas film. Like I say, ELO, tons of their tracks, Diary of Horace Wimp, stuff like that, you could turn into films. I guess it's interesting, in this time, film rights for books get bought sometimes before the books have even been released someone just buys it and goes, well, I'm going to own it because that way no one else can make this into a film if it's successful. I've now got the rights to it for the next 10 years. So I guess maybe the only untrodden path in that particular way would maybe be songs. And that's why they're starting maybe. to look at this sort of thing. I get that it's Avril Lavigne more wanting to do it herself at this point, rather than a film studio turning around and going, we're going to snap up the rights to this for its 20th anniversary. But maybe that's where it's going to go, is they're going to start looking elsewhere for these things.
0: A lot of Taylor Swift's catalogue could be just turned into films, because she does a lot of narratively driven yeah. songs, doesn't she? Yeah, definitely. Get Jake Gyllenhaal at starring one. <laughs> but not the one that's about him. <laughs> Just another All one. All the other ones. Except that one. <laughs> except that one, yeah. But she did have a lot to say about why she wants to turn it into a film. She appeared on a podcast. I've linked the article in the show notes. She didn't appear on this podcast to talk about it, though. But yeah, if you're available, come on and chat about other songs you want to turn into films. The offer's there. Don't cancel Avril Levine for the 200th podcast. She's okay. She can be on it. All right.
1: Okay. I won't cancel her. I've not invited her yet. I was busy getting hold of Daniel Radcliffe and Mark Wahlberg.
0: You seem to have a talent for getting the people I would least want to appear. <laughs> anyway, she said, you know what it was like in high school? You have all the different groups and cliques and there's like skaters, preps, jocks, she said. It's kind of like a missed opportunity at love. And I suspect she's talking about Canadian high school because she's Canadian, isn't she? Because mm. that wasn't really my high school experience. But Sure. I've seen enough American slash Canadian television to understand where she's coming from there. She said, the scare boy is in love with a preppy girl, but she's too cool for him. And then five years from now, she's feeding the baby and she's all alone. She wishes she would have followed her heart and not tried to live up to society's expectations. So, yeah, it's a good concept.
1: Yeah, I don't see why not. Like you, British school, not quite the same. You still get a bit of tribalism, but not to the same set, I think, is what they put on American TV.
0: Yeah, not like Mean Girls. No. Right? Which is probably the best barrier for entry in terms of that whole cliques system because that's what that film is largely about. Anyway, let's move on from Avril Levine. Not quite in our sphere, but that's how we discuss it anyway. We have another adaptation of Books. Netflix is partnering with Legendary and aftershock Media for the upcoming film adaptation of God Country, based on Donny Kate's fantasy comic book of the same name, so it's a comic book adaptation. This marks the streamer's latest collaboration with studio and sweet tooth showrunner Jim Mickle, who's signed on to direct the project. Sweet tooth has been renewed for a second season. I haven't seen the first. Described as a high stakes fantasy story, God Country is written by Donny Cates and was illustrated by Jeff Shaw. Since its debut in 2017, it instantly received critical acclaim with the first issue immediately selling out and was reprinted four times before it was collected in trade paperback. It centres around an elderly widower named Emmett Quinlan who is rattled by dementia. He isn't just a problem for his children. His violent outbursts are more than the local cops can handle. When a tornado levels his home, as well as the surrounding West Texas town, a restored Quinlan rises from the wreckage. An enchanted sword at the eye of the storm gives him more than a sound mind and body. He's now the only man who can face the otherworldly creatures the sword has drawn down to the Lone Star (laughs) State.
1: Interesting. sounds mad.
0: (laughs) Starts off as a guy with dementia, and then there's an enchanted sword. Yeah. It has it all.
1: It seems like I've got two books here and I'm just going to mash them together and turn them into a thing. It sounds great. It sounds really Netflix classic. Yeah, Netflix <laughs> classic. I have not seen Sweet Tooth, so I don't really know too much about the showrunner and, and the visual style and stuff, but it sounds interesting. Again, it's one of these ones that it might pop up and suddenly I end up watching it.
0: It'll pop up and I almost certainly will not watch it, but I'll be able to hear people talk about it and tell me why I should watch it and then I just won't. <laughs> Interesting idea. Recent comic book thing. It seems to have done really well. I've never heard of it before researching for this, but it seems that it did well. Interesting. It's maybe something that Isaac has come across. He's into more comic stuff than a lot of us in terms of actually reading comics. Mm. Well, maybe ask him about that at some point. Okay, next up we have another adaptation of Zorro. Wilmer Valderrama is set to star in a new live-action Zorro TV series that is in development for Disney-branded television the potential series is being exec produced by Gary Marsh, the former Disney Channel president who was promoted last year to serve as a creative chief at Disney branded TV. We're reimagining the Disney classic as a compelling period piece set in Guevo de Los Angeles, but told in a very modern telenovela style with richly drawn contemporary characters and relationships set against the action drama, suspense, and humour of the original iconic Zorro. Wilmer shares a commitment to reflect the interest and rich diversity of the human experience. We look forward to developing a culturally relevant and entertaining story with definitional characters that will connect with our viewers for generations to come. That just sounds like marketing garbage, that, but... the. <laughs> Thing that drew my attention was telenovela. That'd be an interesting style to see play out. Yeah, it's an interesting style to play out. Zorro, yeah,
1: seen some of the films, enjoyed them, but yeah, got no idea what to expect for this. Fair play to them bringing it back.
0: I've seen the Antonio Banderas films, mm. but I understand that Zorro is a much older character that's been adapted tons of times, and you got a lot of those serial type shows back in the day where zoro would fight someone and it would be however long they were and he's a very well-known character who has been adapted a bunch of times but the telenovela style i think that's certainly unique in terms of its concept how they'll execute it is different but i know that telenovela is that spanish thing and it's very melodramatic and whatever so that might fit in Zorro very nicely and give it a unique spin for sure
1: yeah it might be quite good fun that style
0: yeah still at disney Shazad Latif, who was in Star Trek Discovery and might be in the upcoming, possibly upcoming, Section 31 TV show, he has been cast as Captain Nemo in the Disney Plus live-action adventure series Nautilus. This 10-part live-action series tells a never-before-told origin story of Jules Verne's most iconic character, Captain Nemo, and his legendary submarine, the Nautilus. James Dormer is on board to exec-produce and write the series with seven stories of Moon River TV producing. It starts next month in Australia. This article was written in November, so it starts last month in Australia, apparently. So it's already in production. Jules Verne stuff, they keep adapting it. I know there's an adaptation of Around the World in 80 Days that's on, or will have been on by the time this podcast releases with David Tennant in it, that I might watch, I might not. I don't know. Ask me next month, and I'll see if I've watched it. So they're doing the rounds on Jules Verne stuff again. There's a bunch of stuff in development. And this seems interesting. Captain Nemo Origins... Do we have to have origins for everybody? We've got Wonka and Cruella and all this. So do we need Captain Nemo's origin story? I don't know.
1: Might be good. It sounds really interesting. It's a bit different, isn't it? It's something different. It's not the usual. And I think that's what makes it interesting to me.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Plus, his Latif's good. Mm. Hey, next up, we have a small bit of news for Jurassic World Dominion. They have unveiled a new dinosaur, and they're calling it the Atrociraptor, which is a ridiculous name. But that's... Sort of the idea they've been playing with in this iteration of the franchise. The whole dinosaurs are boring. We need bigger and more interesting dinosaurs. And here we go with the Atrociraptor. It's Chris Pratt on a motorcycle being chased by it. (laughs) Chris Pratt on a motorcycle is pretty much exactly what this franchise always delivers, isn't it? It's a sequence set in Malta and the picture speaks for itself. It's Chris Pratt being chased by an Atrociraptor. And if they catch up, he's going to die. I can tell you that. So it's a dangerous dinosaur. It looks like a dinosaur i don't know what makes it more threatening than anything else but it is a real life dinosaur a real life specimen was discovered in 1995 in the horseshoe canyon formation in canada and it sounds like quite a formidable foe at around two meters long and 15 kilograms the atrociraptor packs quite a punch so there we go
1: i mean for the cool name alone yes (laughs) atroceraptor that's brilliant the scientists had fun with the atroceraptor well done it's always the thing with the jurassic world stuff isn't it is every film they need to have a more deadly dinosaur with more teeth and more cunning and adaptive camouflage and all sorts so yeah
0: i can't say i'm all that excited about this current jurassic world movie i liked the second one fine really didn't like the first one The third one has Colin Trevorrow directing again, so I'm not that keen on it so far. Okay, moving on. We have another project from Denis Villeneuve. He is going to be directing an adaptation of Rendezvous with Rama, which is an Arthur C. Clarke novel. First published in 1973, the novel is set in the 2130s and centres on a 31-by-12-mile cylindrical alien starship that enters the solar system. The story is told from the point of view of a group of human explorers who intercept the ship in an attempt to unlock its mysteries. The novel won both the Hugo and Nebula Awards amongst its release. Clarke is the author of, obviously, 2001 A Space Odyssey, which he helped adapt a movie masterpiece with Stanley Kubrick. That's all that really said about it. Villeneuve is directing it. They're making it. So, yeah, the fact that he's doing it means I definitely want to see it. I have
1: not read the book, but that sounds really, really cool. Really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's Arthur C. Clarke stuff. And with him making it, his sci-fi pedigree is very good. Obviously, Mm. we had Dune. We had... Arrival, we had Blade Runner 2049, so no reason to assume that he won't continue his streak with this. Now we have Oppenheimer, has more actors in it. Rami Malek, Florence Pugh and Benny Safdie have joined the cast, which already includes Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Killian Murphy and Emily Blunt. It's not clear on what shape the film will take, but obviously it will chronicle the creation of the atomic bomb from Oppenheimer and we'll see how that goes. As I've frequently said, I have trouble with Christopher Nolan's stuff in terms of creating an emotional connection to it. But I'm quite interested in this project all the same.
1: It definitely must have something interesting in it for all that cast to sign on. So that in itself makes me interested.
0: Yeah. And it's a really interesting story. Mm. He was a very interesting guy. Oh, definitely. So I'm sure Nolan will bring his flair to it. Moving on, Disney has announced its next animated feature will be titled Strange World. The original action-adventure is scheduled to debut around Thanksgiving 2022. They also shared concept art and plot details, but stopped short of revealing the film's voice cast. Strange World centres on the legendary Clades, a family of explorers whose differences threaten to topple their latest and most crucial mission – on Instagram, Disney Animation teased that strange world journeys deep into an uncharted and treacherous land where fantastical creatures await. And the picture they've released is very purple.
1: It is very purple, but very arty. It looks amazing as a piece of concept art, actually. We were just talking about Pandora earlier on. It's part of Avatar, and it's kind of got elements of that through that picture.
0: Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be good. Disney stuff tends to at least be mildly watchable, so... Should be fine. Not much to say here. They've just said it's coming out. It's about this. And stay tuned for more as it develops, I suppose. Next up, Amazon Prime Video has announced an eight-episode pickup of Diabolical, an animated anthology series set in the same universe as The Boys. The production was confirmed through a video message featuring character, actor Carl Urban, who portrays Billy Butcher and The Boys, released during one of Amazon Prime's videos, Comic-Con Experience 2021 virtual panels. So this is... Quite an old story, but they confirmed it in December anyway. Diabolical features a slew of writing talent from across the entertainment industry, with episodes featuring stories by Aquafina, Garth Ennis, Elliot, and Ilana Grazier, and others. Andy Sandberg's doing one apparently, Seth Rogen, and so on. Seth Rogen's involved in the boys anyway, so yeah, that's no surprise. It doesn't really say what it is. We gather together, so it, maybe it's an anthology thing. Yes, ever since we saw the animated film The Animatrix, a series of short animated films set in the universe of The Matrix, we wanted to rip it off today that dreamer does come true. So it's going to be like an anthology story set in the boys' universe. Which, yeah, it might be interesting. I know they announced the boys' Superhero Academy spin off thing that just sounded like it was going to be just this too edgy thing that I wasn't going to be interested in. But an anthology that covers different things with different talent writing different takes on this universe might be pretty cool.
1: I like it. It's a kind of what if style thing again. It's it's like let's do little twists on characters and other things that they can maybe play off of in the live action world if they want to later. They describe it as funny, shocking, gory, moist, emotional episodes. You think the boys is nuts? Wait until you see this. So that's quite a high bar to put on it (laughs) if it's going more nuts than the show. So yeah, I'll I'll watch the boys and I'll, I'll probably end up watching a bit of this.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's move on. We are getting an adaptation of more Stan Lee stuff. Although not comic book stuff. Well, it's comic book stuff, but not Marvel comic book stuff. So he's done some lesser-known work in the horror genre, which is about to be brought to screen via Wanted director Timur Bikmanbato. I've butchered that pronunciation. i mangled it, but there it is. The two projects being developed are titled Sawbones and Carnival of Killers, which predate his big Marvel superhero comics in the 1960s. The two stories are certainly darker, what many have come to expect from Lee's work with Marvel, and fans of the comic book legend will be very excited to see some of his older work getting some attention after so much time. Sawbones, the story of a frail 12-year-old Alex Coven, who rereads a mysterious comic book and is transported into the comic book's terrifying world. A haunted juvenile detention centre overrun by demonic forces led by Sawbones, a homicidal entity who preys upon the troubled inmates. Has Alex gone insane, or is this nightmares world his new reality? If he is to escape, Alex must find a way to defeat Sawbones, but he quickly comes to realise that Sawbones is the keeper of his darkness and the personification of all his fears. In Carnival of Killers is set amid the dust bowl storms that ravaged the American Great Plains in the 1930s, centres around a young girl with psychic abilities who senses that the travelling carnival she and her mother sought refuge in is ground zero for a looming alien invasion. So these sound pretty interesting, and Stanley's early work predating his superhero stuff could be interesting to see turned into something.
1: Yeah, it sounds interesting. The interesting concepts i look forward to seeing more about it to decide if i want to see them or not
0: yeah i'm sure more will be upcoming in the near future okay moving on we have universal's adaptation of renfield which is going to be starring nicholas cage we're back to him as dracula but the most recent bit was okwafina is going to join nicholas holton Nicolas Cage in that film. A monster movie centered on Dracula's familiar henchman, with Hope playing the title role. No word yet on what Aquafina's role will be. The Tomorrow War director Chris McKay, I've really hated the Tomorrow War, is on board to helm the film, which is based on the original story outline from Robert Kirkman. Ryan Ridley wrote the script. Cage will play Dracula. So Nicholas Cage giving vampirism another go after Vampire's Kiss. And this time he's playing the big guy, Dracula. I cannot wait to see how much he hams that up. That's going to be so good. Just him in that role. This film sounds pretty interesting. Nicholas Hall, I find a bit bland most of the time. So cancel him for the 200th podcast as well. But Aquafina, Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, no one's going to be on the 200th podcast. Now. You looked at the wrong list. Just people everyone. <laughs> you looked at the people everyone. I don't want on the list. <laughs> cancelling <laughs> so,
1: everyone. Ridiculous! How am I supposed to fill it in time? Oh well, well, we'll just need to put up with the guests that we've got available. I knew that Nicholas Holt was going to be in this. I didn't know about Nick Cage and uh, Aquafina. So it sounds potentially interesting. Again, until I we'll see a trailer or whatever, don't really know. So it sounds interesting.
0: In the original Dracula novel. Renfield was an inmate at a lunatic asylum who was thought to be suffering from delusions, but is actually a servant of Dracula. Plot detail of the movie weren't announced, but it's believed to take place during the present day and not a period piece. Could this be another attempt at the dark universe? <laughs> They're never giving up on it.
1: I've just kept it in the shadows waiting to emerge once again.
0: Yeah. Okay, next up we have Karen Gillan is in another thing. She's going to be in a film called Jewel, where she fights herself. We've got the first look at it. It's just the first image of her just standing, looking at herself, basically, in a mirror. So not much to go on. But she gets to battle herself in the science fiction thriller, which also stars Aaron Paul. Jesse Eisenberg is also in it, and stand-up comic Martha Kelly. In the film from the Art of Self-Defence director, Riley Stearns, we saw the Art of Self-Defence at the Edinburgh Film Festival one year, remember? Jesse Eisenberg. We did. Anyway, in this film, Sarah commissions a clone of herself to be created in the near future when she discovers she has a terminal disease and then ends up fighting it thinking the clone will help her family cope with her passing Sarah eventually gets miraculous news that she'll make a recovery but this leaves the problem of what happens with the clone sounds kind of similar to that film that's on Apple TV Plus called Swan Song that I haven't watched yet that's essentially what Mahershala Ali does in the trailer for that film as I understand it anyway, since society has deemed humans cannot coexist with their clones Sarah and her clone must battle to the death to decide which of them can go on yeah, sure yeah. I think that sounds really interesting. I like Karen Gillen in action stuff as well. She's very good at that stuff. So, yeah, cool. Yeah.
1: I agree with you. I'll watch
0: this. Interesting idea. Next up, we have rumors of a Firefly reboot that will be done on Disney Plus or something. Disney plans to apparently reboot the series as an exclusive for Disney Plus. This isn't how I wanted to see Firefly brought back, to be honest. I like Firefly. I really like it. And it's this cult thing with 13 episodes in a movie and then nothing else and they're going to reboot it. The charm of the show is the cast and the way they play those characters, so I don't know that a reboot is the right way to go with it. But I'm not surprised that Disney are having a go at it because they have it, and when they have something, they'll at least give it a go. The suggestion is that the reboot if they make it will be a brand new story disney has not confirmed anything about the plot but there's speculation on how the story will differ some routes include picking up right where the series left off and delving into the past of the malcolm reynolds who fought in the civil war against the alliance however it's most likely that disney will restart the entire series on a more family friendly note <laughs> while disney achieved a new first in eternals by featuring the first openly gay character it's unlikely that firefly will do the same Instead, they might offer a narrative that would appeal to more general audiences on its streaming platform. Joss Whedon won't be involved, which doesn't surprise me. He will not be involved in anything, but more details will be upcoming. What's your thoughts on Firefly? Were you into it?
1: Yeah, I enjoyed Firefly. You know, like a lot of people, sort of stumbled around and found it by accident, essentially, and then really, really enjoyed it and kind of enjoyed the film as well. I think you're right. The show hinges on that cast and the interaction with them. It's a good ensemble that they had together. It's a shame that it didn't get more for a reboot. I don't know. I don't know if I want to see them play about with it. It seems inevitable because they own the rights. You end up with this two-tier thing where in your head you're thinking, on one hand, I want to see some stuff done in that world, that interesting world. On the other hand, I don't want them to ruin it. (laughs) Is that fine balance? I would like to see other stuff happen there. I don't want them to make it rubbish they do invest well in these things so you know it's going to be well produced it's just what the actual content's going to be that's interesting i'd hope that they wouldn't touch it unless they had a pretty sound idea of what they wanted to do with it
0: i think the ship has sailed on getting the original cast back to do stuff because anytime they're asked about it they're like yeah that was like 20 years ago it's been a while we can't just pick up where we left off on this anymore we're all a lot older and things like that and yeah i completely appreciate that and it's just one of those shows that was great at the time but Fox really screwed around with it and therefore it wasn't able to find an audience and then it got cancelled and then it got this cult following and you have to wonder if it had like made it seven seasons. By the time you're on season six, you'd be like, "Oh my god, why is this still on?" Yeah, when will have this you done end? The show it used to be so good. <laughs> yeah, because that's what happens to a lot of shows. Maybe it is better as this time capsule of quality that just sticks around. But yeah, it's Disney, right? They're not going to leave anything alone, are they? If they own something that has some potential mileage as a property, they're going to just go for it.
1: Yeah, totally agree with you. Sometimes stuff goes on for far too long and they've they've run out of actual ideas and what they want to do. They're just keeping it running because it's a paycheck for the network or for the people that are running it. I get that you wouldn't have the cast come back and do like a continuing ongoing stories of. I don't know if it would be better if there was some form of passing of the torch within the show. I don't know. It's one of those ones where do you just want them to leave stuff alone and start afresh or do you want to get that little bit of nostalgia out of it as well?
0: I imagine they'll nod back to the original in some way even if it is a reboot you'll have a cameo from a cast member or something like that it's the way it usually goes isn't it true Yeah. Okay, next up, we're approaching the end of our list. We have Laverne Cox is the latest addition to the cast of Uglies, the dystopian fantasy film based on Scott Westerfield's international bestseller of the same name, which Mick G is directing for Netflix. She joins a cast led by Joey King, and the story is it's set in a world in which a compulsory operation at 16 makes everyone pretty by conforming to an ideal standard of beauty. And that's about all it says. So it's CW, the movie effectively (laughs) it doesn't really say what the the novel is about other than that so you could probably look into the synopsis Mm. sounds like an interesting idea i'm already seeing the potential to delve into the whole concept of self-image what is beauty is it on the inside is it on the outside what defines beauty is it in the eye of the beholder where's this idealized image coming from what are the dangers associated with it there's so many things you can touch on in that respect Mm. yeah cw the movie no uglies. Right, next up we have some casting changes for Furiosa, the spin-off of the Mad Max movies. Tom Burke is going to be replacing Yaya Abdul Mateen II, who had to part ways with the project due to a scheduling conflict. It's interesting that they've recast a black guy with a white guy. That's a very unusual decision. Not going near that with a barge pole, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have no comment on that decision. No, it's just recasting news, scheduling conflict. So yeah, congratulations on them finding someone that schedule matches theirs. I have no idea what else to say. Someone was busy. (laughs) Someone else is in. I'm glad that they're making Furiosa. It was fun seeing her in Mad Max. It'll be good to see the film when it comes out. I look forward to seeing how the story develops.
0: (laughs) Obviously, the character isn't connected to his race in any way, but it seems like a potentially controversial choice to replace a black actor with a white actor, but... Obviously, they have their reasons. Who knows? But yes, Anya Taylor Joy is furiosa, could be interesting. Chris Hemsworth in it as well. So it's got a good cast, I suppose. Okay, here we go. Next up we have The Dispatcher, which started life as an audible original audiobook narrated by Zachary Quinto. It's now been adapted for the small screen. The Dispatcher takes place in Chicago in the distant future in which it becomes almost impossible to murder anyone. Don't you just hate that? 999 times out of a thousand, anyone who's intentionally killed comes back. The ongoing series follows Tony Valdez, a dispatcher, a licensed bonded professional whose job is to humanely dispatch those about to die so they can have a second chance to avoid the Reaper. He teams up with Chicago PD detective Nona Langdon to help save those at death's crosshairs and solve the crimes that put them there. Hmm. That sounds like an interesting idea. It's almost impossible to murder someone.
1: Sounds like an interesting concept, actually. Sounds a bit fun.
0: I like the idea. Anyone who's intentionally killed comes back. It just sounds like anything we watch, really, doesn't it? (laughs) Well,
1: that's why multiverse and multiple timelines and all that exists is just so you can bring characters back from the dead on an ongoing basis.
0: Yeah. I haven't listened to the audiobook, but I'm getting from this that they come back with a clean slate, I guess. So if someone has cancer or something like that, you could just kill them and then they come back without cancer, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting.
1: I didn't know about it. It's written by John Scalzi. Um, I've read things like Red Shirts and Old Man's War, which I liked a lot, so I'm surprised I've not picked up on this one earlier.
0: Red Shirt's not the Star Trek thing, is it?
1: Red shirts is kind of Star Trek adjacent. It's not Star Trek, but you could very easily say it was Star Trek if you wanted to. It's a good book. I don't know if you've had the chance to read it, but it goes in interesting (laughs) places. Old Man's War, again, is another interesting series. I think it was originally meant to be three books and it sort of spun out into a couple more. But the first trilogy is really interesting, what they do with it.
0: Cool. And our last bit is we are getting a kick-ass movie reboot coming in two years from Matthew Vaughn. Back in 2010, before the superhero genre became home to the most popular movies on the planet, Matthew Vaughn teamed up with writer Jane Goldman and brought Mark Millar's, or Mark Miller, and John Romita Jr.'s comic book Kick-Ass to movie screens. Unlike the other PG and PG-13 comic book movies at the time, Kick-Ass was loaded with brutal yet stylish kills, foul-mouthed dialogue from a kid, Chloe Grace Moretz, in her breakout role as hit Girl a powerless Peter Parker type, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, and this guy again, Nicolas Cage, as the vigilante big daddy. While many fans loved what they were saying, others were outraged, condemning the film for its language and extreme violence. As you can imagine, when you have a property with strong name recognition and a lot of fans, people always want more. In fact, a few years ago, Vaughn said he was working on a kick-ass reboot that could potentially find Patience Lee, an African-American single mother, taking on the vigilante mantle, stepping into the lead role. Since that time, news about more kick-ass movies has been quiet, but that changed the other day during a group interview that I was part of. Not I was part of, the writer <laughs> of this article was part Yes, I'm breaking this, it's, a, it's yep. an exclusive that I was part of. The writer of this article was part of for the upcoming Kingsman prequel, The Kingsman, which as of time of recording, I haven't seen yet, but I will be seeing today as of time of recording. When asked about the status of kick-ass, Vaughn said, we've got a big reboot of kick-ass in two years, big reboot. He went on to say, it's so effing nuts that I can't talk about it, but we've got that ready to go. All the rights revert back in two years, and then we're going to reboot it where people will be like, he is insane. It's interesting that you've got the same director directing the reboot of the thing that he made. Mm.
1: Yeah, so is it a reboot continuation? Is it a reboot sequel? Or is it just like flat out going right back to the beginning, flatten it all, begin again?
0: let's just do the first film again i really hope not i really hope reboot is yeah. the concept but done differently because i've read the kick-ass comic and there's a lot of changes between the comic and the film which you would expect there's actually things that are a lot more extreme in the comic that don't make it into the film what they do is they make characters who are completely unsympathetic in the comic more sympathetic in the film so you can see where the adaptation happened i don't know if fans of the comic were annoyed up. At- about those changes, I wasn't. I read the comic after I saw the film, so I don't know if I'd have been bothered by it or not at the time. There's no way of knowing. Matthew Vaughn also said because I think the clues in the title, I think Kick-Ass became a new type of genre. Everyone was like, "Oh, you can't make R-rated superheroes. No one will want to see an R-rated superhero. You can't do this. You can't do that." So I had this idea, and it was so nuts that I went, "Yeah, great. It will cause just as much controversy, and everyone will talk about it. And as many people that love it will hate it." But I'm not saying it hasn't got the characters in it and won't have. You know. I'm just saying it's not what anyone could be imagining what it is. And I'm going to need one very, very brave actor or actress to play the new Kickass because it will scare the bleep out of them. Yeah, it's interesting. The first Kick-Ass movie is very good. i really hated the second one. I've only seen it the once, but I did not like it.
1: I don't think I've seen the second one. I've seen the first one, but I don't think I've seen the second one.
0: Not really up to much, in my opinion. But what do you think of the idea of rebooting Kick-Ass? I'm kind of fine with
1: it. I think it's been enough time. Like I say, I've only seen the first one, so I don't have a huge connection to it. I don't know how many people will be annoyed if it's completely flattening it and starting again. Like you say, it's, it's interesting when it's a director coming back to do a full reboot, but... Because they've been so connected to the material, maybe it just means that they've got more ideas. The fact that they're waiting until the rights revert again is interesting. So it must be one of these ones where they only had it for a fixed period of time, and then it's going to go to someone else who's agreed that he can make it.
0: It is an interesting one. I mean, I think there's mileage in the concept. I think you can parody, in some ways, the superhero concept very easily. And you can do it in interesting ways. I don't think people are as turned off by the idea of R-rated superhero stuff as they might have been at that point in time. Because I know the first one didn't make an awful lot of money. It made enough to justify a sequel, but it didn't make an awful lot of money. But since then, we've had things like Deadpool. So is a subversive, R-rated, sweary, violent superhero movie really going to be too big a deal for anybody at this point? I don't know, probably not.
1: It's sort of the waters have been proven, isn't it? It's that you can get away with these things and folk will see them. I don't know. It depends on who you cast and what it looks like ahead of time, if it's going to play into the fun aspect of it, because Deadpool definitely does more of the comedy angle to the whole thing, as much as it's R-rated. If they do similar with Kick-Ass reboot, then, yeah, could work.
0: Yeah, we'll soon find out. Well, maybe not soon find out. In two years, we'll start to find out. So we'll come back to this in a news roundup in 2024 2023 oh dear brilliant anyway so that was our last news item we rattled through it this month some good stuff in there thanks for joining for the first news roundup first podcast of 2022 chris thank you for volunteering to give up your christmas food coma time (laughs) to have this conversation
1: you're welcome thank you very much for inviting
0: me on no problem I can't just talk to myself. I need other people to talk to. But that was our December 2021 news roundup. I would like to thank Neil Stenson for the supplied music, as always. And Chris, thanks for the banner that you haven't made yet as we record, but you will make. Thanks for, I'm sure there will be some excellent Photoshopping in there, as always.
1: I'm thinking I'm going to do every character, but put Nick Cage over their face. <laughs>
0: we just do every Nick Cage character. We discuss Kick-Ass, he's in that. Exactly. It's all nick cage yeah absolutely we'll see how cagey that banner is when this oh, podcast is released oh. if you enjoyed that joke and everything else you heard here you can hit us up on facebook and twitter under neil before blog or you can leave a comment on NeilBeforeBlog.co.uk. please do subscribe to us on spotify apple podcasts anywhere to you get your podcasts Particularly on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review. Chris, what kind of rating would we like? How many stars? Five stars. Five stars, that's exactly it. Every time I ask Aaron, he gets really annoyed. I I do like it when people join in on the whole (laughs) star side of things. But yeah, please do that and get in touch with us and and discuss things. As always, we hope you'll join us next time on Meal Before Pod.